Welcome to the Worship Essentials Network podcast. I'm your host, John Harland, with the just one of a kind Mike Harland here <laughs> in studio. I would hope you'd feel that way. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm the only father you had. Irreplaceable. I hope you feel that way. But we are coming from the just enchanting, serene, frigid, <laughs> Wiley Harland Studios. Oh, yes. Here is we it, are. Is it good to be back? Well, the word you left out, opulent. Remember, that was the word Brian always used with the worship life. With the BB McKinney Studios, he said it's different opulent. though. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that would be the word that Wiley would like. No, used uh, Wiley can't studio. spell opulence, so so that's probably <laughs> not the word he used. Hey, and people are kind of finding this podcast. That's surprising to me. You were telling me about all the searches for it, and people are downloading it, and we're getting a little bit of feedback. I got a phone call from somebody talking about listening to it and they corrected something I had said. That's good. It was all good natured. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but anyway. That's good. I, I, well, that's why you put yourself out there is to be corrected. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sort of used to that. Yep. That's uh, that's fair. Well, what's going on? It's, it is frigid. Well, um, at the rec- at the time of this recording here in Middle Tennessee, we've got like uh, 10 inches of snow on the ground. It's been a winter wonderland. We've had a White Christmas, but it's been like a month after Christmas. Yeah, when we that had. is for but sure. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it's been something. As a matter of fact, um, you go sledding. Uh, I didn't go sledding, but your mother and I did walk the neighborhood and and do a little crunching in the snow. And uh, we live in a we live in Columbia, which is south of Nashville. Most people would know that, but uh, uh, and it's real hilly where we live, and our neighborhood has some amazing hills in it. Uh, and man, those families were out there taking advantage of it. Uh, so, uh, it's pretty cool to watch all those families out there. And I remember back in the day, maybe I might've taken you out for a little sledding or a little snowman building, probably more snowman building and, and snowball fights. Yeah. Probably yeah. more that. I remember snowball fights with, in the neighborhood and yeah. cul-de-sac, uh, in Franklin we were on, um, yeah. but you can only really be outside for about 15 minutes. Yeah. You get pretty cold. Wanna... As a matter of fact, uh, you know, it can snow and it not be all that cold, but we've had not just snow, but we've had very, very low temperatures. And uh, and my neighborhood actually had quite a few power outages around us, but our, our, our electricity flickered at one point, but we didn't really lose power, so we didn't lose heat. Or I probably would have been coming up here to Hendersonville to sleep with you uh, if we had lost heat. Uh, but anyway, so we're we're we were blessed and not have to deal with that. But uh, it, we are in a winter snow uh, big deal. It looked here. like a snow globe a little bit it's outside. It's pretty amazing, and it was snowing this morning, as yeah. a matter of fact. So I was still, at still church fun. on Sunday night. We were doing our uh, training we do once a semester, mm-hmm. and just about ten minutes after the training started, we had some flurries coming down, and people were starting to leave early and. <laughs> By the time we were out of there, there was already some, you know, the, yeah. when it starts blowing, it was not, yeah, it yeah. wasn't getting on the road as much, but it was blowing all over the road, and we were able to make it home and enjoy uh, just kind of cuddling, cuddling up, you know? You know, Hendersonville was, uh, uh, weather's been a big story in Hendersonville the last month or so because you had a tornado come through here. Mm-hmm. So, so John, a Wednesday night, no, I'm sorry, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Christmas production, First Baptist Hendersonville. You're about to start the Saturday night presentation, and you you were y'all were getting people under pews. Yeah, it was about 45 minutes before. But this is a big deal. I mean, 
people are getting there an hour and a half before we start. Right. Because it's such a big deal. Big attendance. Big attendance. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we had a good number of people already there. And it's really weird when when your pastor yells, get under the pew. <laughs> and uh, and so... Oh, my goodness. I was under there. But my problem was the pew was so close to the ground that I was kind of like, if something <laughs> fell in this pew, I wouldn't be in good shape. So um, I just moved out quickly after yeah. I kind of thought through it a little more critically. But Thankfully, anyway, the tornado went over the church. It, it didn't did. hit the yeah, church. It, so I'm, it, I was glad for that. It collapsed uh, part of the roof of the couple buildings next door. And so, yeah, we were in... Good shape, but it changed the the production for sure. Yeah, wow. So we are getting into uh, the, I mean, it, we really are in full steam ahead in church world these days. In January, yeah. you know, you get about a week lull before you're back full steam ahead because school's you, already back. And yeah, yeah we're, we're moving forward. I've got a retreat coming up this week. I mean, we are all the way there and will be until after summer camp for students. Well, and this weekend, at the time we're recording this, I'm doing a Worship Essentials weekend in a church in Paducah, and they're doing the same thing. They're ramping up. They're getting their worship ministry together on a Saturday and Sunday, and I'm going in to uh, inspire their choir, orchestra, worship band, and all of that uh, with both some rehearsal, but also some teaching around what it means to be a worship leader as a volunteer, and uh, and then Sunday morning, I have the privilege of leading worship there. Our friend Mark Swatley, I mentioned him last time we recorded. I remember that just now. He's invited me. It's First Baptist Lone Oak. That's that's there in Paducah. I'm excited. I'll be leaving uh, in the morning to head that direction. Yep. Excited about it. Glad the snow didn't shut us down. Yeah. So you're right. Churches are cranking back up, uh, and and church schedules. I mean, John. Just in your lifetime, does it feel like churches are busier than they used to be or or about like, do you, would you have a perspective of that? Well, it kind of depends. I've been in a, in a couple of different churches where it wasn't as event heavy and some that are a little more event. Um, just, you know, I think you can use events in a number of different ways. And I think, yeah. you know, the church I'm in now, we use events to point back to our regular programming super well. Yeah. Um, and it's very strategic in the events we do. Uh, but we've got a lot of them, and there's a lot of times where you know it's one after the other, and uh, and it keeps you busy. But I think that goes right into what we're talking about today. Yeah, we're talking about really the how teams are so important in ministry. Yeah, and we're not talking necessarily about paid staff, right? Because I yeah. think there are a lot of situations where you're not able to have most situations. Yeah, exactly. you're not going to be able to hire most of the people you need. Exactly. And, uh, but teams and working together with other people and using lay leaders and, and using other staff, uh, that may not be in your specific ministry areas is really important. I love to talk about this subject. As you know, as you know, John really well, my whole life before ministry was all about athletics. I played high school football and, and high school baseball and then played baseball in college. And I've been on so many teams. I can't even remember how many teams I've been on athletically and and I loved it. I as one of the reasons I love football. I I, I loved playing football. I, I've joked about it until recent years. I've I've said for years I would play high school football right now if they'd let me. Uh, that's how much fun I had playing it. But now I'm to the age where I don't know that I would. I would. <laughs> uh, maybe that's over. But and I remember you played high school football there at Centennial High School in Franklin. And some of the most fun times of our lives was watching you play and the Cougars play on Friday night and we had good teams and making the playoffs and all of that. 
And, and I love, I think football is the ultimate team game. 11 guys running one play, and all 11 have their own responsibility that contributes to the success or the failure of a play. And, and the only way a great play happens is if all 11 are doing at least um, uh, something of their job to make a play work. And so I love to watch football for that very reason, because it's the ultimate team sport. And I would say ministry is a team sport. It just is. You've, you've got to have teams of people that are doing the ministry together. So as a student pastor, how much of your time, here I am interviewing you, but how much of your time do you think you spend, just percentage-wise, just building teams of people, attract, uh, recruiting and equipping leaders and teams of people to execute the ministry? Oh, it, it's probably uh, about half, I'd yeah. say, where half is is executing the event and planning it and organizing it and those things. And I think even building the team is a part of that. Um, but it's so much more, you know, ministry is a, is a people aspect. It, it's, that's what it yeah, is, it, right? It's, it's people it's business. All for sure. people. Yeah. And so you're, that should be the majority of it is working yeah. with people and having them on your team, because I believe ministry similar to any sport is, is very much momentum driven mm-hmm. that if your momentum is stagnated because your people are not organized and together and unified, then you're going to have some issues. Um, but if they're together, then there's, you know, you can work so much through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and, uh, being unified together, um, pushing the ball forward. So, you know, the interesting thing too, um, I, I love, and I've, I've noticed this for years in scripture. I think the guy in scripture that models teamwork, uh, better than anybody else is the apostle Paul. Uh, he, he is, of course he wrote over half the new Testament and under the inspiration of God spirit, uh, prompting him to do that. And those letters are preserved for us supernaturally in the book. And the pattern you see, when you look at Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and second Thessalonians, first, second Timothy, all of these great Pauline epistles, obviously there are more Romans, etc. Um, he, uh, in all of them, he names names. Uh, you see it in, in, in the longer books, and you see it in the short letters. Um, uh, you see it in the shortest one of his letters, uh, Philemon. Uh, you, you, in all of them, Paul is mentioning people. And he even mentions people in these letters that were not good teammates, he talks in a couple of places about people that harmed him or uh, worked against him. He talked about Demas and he talked about Alexander and he watch out. He gave warnings around those people and their names. Can you imagine your name showing up in the scripture? <laughs> you know, watch out for Alexander because he has harmed me or will do much harm. Um, Paul is constantly talking about people in his letters and I think modeled for us really beautifully uh, the power of teamwork. And if you're going to be in ministry, uh, and if you're going to be uh, in a leading a ministry particularly, you are going to have to be good at this. You're going to have to learn how to communicate well and attract great team members and build a team of people around you. Uh, I love I love to look at uh, great coaches and just see how they motivate. I uh, in recent days in the sports world, big news. Nick Saban retires. 
you know, and everybody's talking about Nick Saban and the great college coaching career that he had. Um, and then very soon after people talk about him, they start talking about those other people that were on his staff that are now head coaches. And uh, he knew something about building a great team of leaders on his coaching staff, but also how to take young men and mold them into a team. And I think that's why he had so much success as a coach. That's right. And I think with any team, right, there are so many positives. And I think we'll get into more. What? How do we how do we be good teammates? But for this episode, how can we talk about or I think we should talk about there's some challenges yeah. that you have to overcome working with teams. Yeah, there's no question that when you when you you already mentioned this, that ministry is a people business and anywhere you have people. Uh, you're going to have issues. Uh, there's a great proverb that I've quoted for a long, long time. My, my former pastor, Brent Taylor, pointed this out to me years ago. I don't have this proverb looked up, but I, I could probably find it pretty quick. But it's in the first half of the book. Uh, Where there are no oxen, the stall is clean. But from the strength, uh, strength of an ox comes a great harvest. That That is, that's in the Bible. And you go, what in the world is that talking about? Well, if you don't have any oxen, then your your the the manger stall is going to be clean. There won't be any the there's nothing messing up the stall because you don't have any oxen. But guess what else you don't have? If you don't have any oxen, you're not plowing any fields. You know, you're not you're not getting any work done where you need the strength of that animal. So if you if your goal is to have this clean place, then you probably don't want to have oxen. But if your goal is to plow a whole field then you're going to have to have some oxen. And the proverb, the second half of the proverb says, but from the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. In other words, the stall is going to be pretty messed up if you've got an oxen in there. And that's a beautiful picture of what leadership is. You're going to have to have people around you that um, that that bring strength and bring energy and bring effort. You You will not be able to scale what you're doing unless you have a lot of those folks around you. Uh, but when you have them there, there are going to be some challenges that come up from time to time. And But the, the point to make is, and I think Paul's lesson is, uh, that the, it's worth it, that, that the challenges are worth overcoming and addressing in order to gain the strength that a great team has. Right. Uh, yeah. That's Proverbs fourteen four. Thank you. I knew it was Proverbs fourteen, but I didn't want to. Uh, I was afraid to call out the wrong number, so I didn't. Yeah. But it's Proverbs fourteen four, and it, it's a great, it's a great principle. And if you are in ministry, you're going to have some oxen, and you've got some strong oxes around you on your team, and hopefully you do. You're going to have some messes to clean up yeah. every once in a while. Right. Exactly. With every benefit of, of working on a team, there's a challenge that goes with it. And I think you hit it right on the head where you're talking about if you want to scale, all right, scaling is the benefit. With more people, you can do more things, yep. but there's a bigger mess. So that's, you know, there's always sure. going to be a challenge with that because we're people, right? People, sinful people working with other sinful people. So if you're leading a team, what are some things you need to be doing to avoid those messes? How do you avoid them? I mean, well, how would you answer that question? Well, I think my thought. Uh, what, what's on my mind is the Beatitudes right now. I, we're, we're, that's one of the things we'll be looking at at the retreat I'm about to do this upcoming week. But 
um, just so much of the Beatitudes speak to the attitude of humility. Yeah. Where it's so important that if your team can rally around this idea of nobody is greater than anybody else. Yeah. That we're all working for a common goal in our each individual roles. Um, then that is what's going to rally a team together because you're working together. That's what's so great about football, right? It's and any sport is that they're working together for a goal. It's a temporary goal, right? It's not an important goal because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. But that goal can rally people together. Um, one, I, I think about the Preds, uh, the hockey team in Nashville, for the playoffs when they went to the Stanley Cup final, uh, their team like slogan was one goal and they had it on all their sweatshirts and, and on the back of those, um, you know, quarter zips and all those different things like that. That idea of having one goal in mind, that attitude of Philippians chapter two, um, where it's all rally together. Um, but you have to, if one person's off, it's going to throw off the rest of the team. Yeah. And great teams have the, the inward ability to address each other when when somebody gets out of line. Um, so yes, absolutely. Humility, well, the fruit of the spirit that you've already talked about, but humility certainly would be, and humility on the part of the leader, but also humility on the part of all the team members. Uh, it's often attributed to Ronald Reagan. I'm not sure this is original with him, but Reagan was known to say, it's amazing what can be accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit. And one of the things that can create disruption on a team is if there is a member of the team that somehow is wanting more recognition, more credit, more more accolades, if you will, at the expense of others on the team, it creates uh, a difficult thing. Again, Paul being the example, I, I, and you know what, and let's let's go ahead and say our next episode, I think our next episode, we'll get into more specifics about this, but but I think about 2 Timothy, the last letter that he wrote. And when he gets to the last part of the last letter, he starts naming all these names of people that were on his team. Uh, and, and of course, the, the letter was written to Timothy, his son in the ministry, who was on Paul's team. He, they were invested together. They were committed to each other. And um, I, I love the picture of Paul's relationship with Luke. Uh, the doctor who very likely wrote the book of Acts. Most people would agree he was the author of Acts and he had a front row seat of seeing what was happening in the church, including from Acts chapter nine to the end of the book, chronicling Paul's ministry. So here's Luke. Paul actually even says in a couple of his letters, Luke is with me. But And and I just love that picture of here's the apostle Paul, the, the great missionary to the Gentiles, the man who God you would use to write over half the New Testament. And yet he had this core group of people around him that were helping him and that were supporting him and enabling him uh, to be who he was. It's It's amazing. And if you've been in ministry very long, and this is kind of where we need to probably wrap this up. But uh, if you've done ministry very long, there are people in your life that are just on your team. And 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 that may not be day in and day out like you're even in the same church, but you're you're on the king you're on the kingdom team together. They're the people you call, they're the people you ask advice from, they're the people that you encourage, they're even the people that you would correct if you felt like they needed correction. Uh, the relationship is strong, and you treat each other with accountability like a team. Now, I'm just curious, John, present company excluded. Have you got some teammates like that in your life? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of my best friends, Evan. Yeah. We've been 
to, you know, friends for a good number of years. We worked together. I was, it's been about almost 10 years. Yeah. And that was my first job in ministry. Um, we so actually I, lived together. Yeah. Too. We lived together yeah, for about three years. Yeah. Um, I called him this week. We talked for about an hour just talking about ministry. He's at a church and, um, and, and so we were able to have that conversation. So he's one, I think my current boss, he's, he's somebody that I go to. We talk really openly and, uh, I feel like I I can have a really authentic conversation with him about um, those things and and just kind of rally my around. point being that if if the apostle Paul needed people around him, everybody that's listening to this podcast needs people around you. You need people that you can rely on and that can rely on you. And and uh, the question you can flip the question. I ask you who are who are your team? Who's your team? Uh, if I were to ask. Everyone else, are there people out there I could ask, and you would be the person they would mention. And so the challenge I would give everybody listening is, is yes, be grateful for those people that are on your team and have been on your team a long time. And that could include the people in your church where you serve right now and that are in ministry, doing ministry with you, maybe your pastor or another staff member. Um, And then, but who are the people in your life that you can be a great teammate to? Uh, you know, in Paul's example, he had a couple of, they weren't great teammates and they caused him harm. And, and I, I wonder sometimes, uh, you know, that if, if we don't, um, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll leave things unsettled and, but we've got to have good teammates. We've, we've got to have people around us that are in this with us that support us and can encourage us along the way. And, you know, maybe, just transition into a closing thought. Maybe the reason this is so much on my mind this week is um, the Christian music community lost a great teammate that, uh, just a few days ago. Uh, and he was a good friend of mine. Don Cook was his name. Um, Cook is spelled K-O-C-H. And uh, any of the listeners out there, uh, just just do a Google of Don's name. Now, he's not one of the the Coke brothers, how they pronounce it, they spell it that way, that are the entrepreneur or business people. That's not that's not Don, but if you did Don Cook music, uh, you would see a long list of great songs that this man wrote. He was a phenomenal songwriter in Christian music, uh, but also a great producer and uh, arranger, great musician. Uh, and for me, he was a teammate. Now, I'll tell you one of the, one of the things about Don that makes a great teammate. Uh, we had a great friendship and a trust relationship, but, but Don would look me in the eye. I'd put an idea on the table for a song or maybe a, here's an idea for a lyric, and Don would look at me and say, that that stinks. <laughs> you know, He was honest, he, and yet there are other times he said, oh, that's, that's what we want, and he would encourage too, but there was an honesty about Don that uh, in, in his relationships that I learned to appreciate over the years. But I, I was, I'm, Don was one of those people that I knew of and respected for many years before I ever knew him. But in the last 10 to 12 years, I worked very closely with him. And uh, just last week, the Lord saw fit to call him home. And uh, we'll be seeing Don again. He, he doesn't have cancer anymore, praise the Lord. Uh, but we're going to miss Don. And I, 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 I just give that shout out in our podcast today because uh, uh, what, a, what a great teammate he was. And uh, uh, maybe that's why he was on my mind and the subject was on my mind today. Just think about Don and I think about my friend Dave Clark and Dave wrote many, many songs with Don over the years there. 
they're as a co-writing team, they're unequaled in Christian music. And uh, I've been talking to Dave a lot this week, and Dave is experiencing that sadness that you feel when you feel like part of you has left. And I certainly understand that. I, I relate to that uh, still to this day. My friend Luke Garrett that I did so much with over through the years when he passed away a few years ago, I felt like part of me had left, you know. So anyway, great teammates. Uh, and I hope I hope everybody listening to our podcast has got their crew uh, that's around them and encouraged them along the way in ministry. They're going to need them if yeah. they're going to do much. Absolutely. Well, uh, well, I, will, I do want to wrap up on a, a little lighter note. Yeah, please do. The we we've been done the first two episodes. I, I've tried to give you a little time to think about what you'd want to add for this ministry pet peeve of the week. So it doesn't have to be worship ministry specific, but what's something that just grinds your ministry gears? <laughs> grinds my ministry gears. Uh, well, there's uh, okay. I've got several. I got a lot of those, as you know. Well, you start, why, That's why we need. A we segment. need a segment. Oh, we got it. Yeah. Here's one of them. I. I it bothers me when a worship leader has his congregation standing all the time. Mm. That bothers me, especially when the song is more presentational in nature and one that is unfamiliar to the congregation. I'm going to tell you, a deadly combination is when you you ask a congregation to consistently sing songs they don't know while they are standing. You put those two things together uh, and... Uh, you're losing the flock at that point. So so the short answer is uh, a worship leader who is insensitive to what he's asking the congregation to do uh, by standing and singing unfamiliar songs. There you go. How about that? There you go. That made me sound like the old man. No, I, I think that's, a, I, I do think that's really fair because you can stand for quite a while and really not yeah. realize it. Yeah. Um, and if there's new songs involved, for new songs, yeah, if yeah. there's some, there's something about standing and doing something you don't know, when you put those two together, it makes the congregation feel really, really weird. Yeah. And a worship leader that's not clued into what he's asking his congregation to do in that regard, that's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, from us here at the Wiley Harlan Studios, yes. this is the wrap-up of our episode three. We look for, forward to next time and, and speaking with you further about what it means to be a good teammate. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah.